Good morning, Antioch. I'm Clark Zonbreaker, and I get to serve as Director of Ministry here at Antioch Brighton. And I get to be in the Sunday afternoon Watertown Life Group, which is an awesome life group. We have, we have a blast. Uh, this week is week two of our sermon series out of the book of Deuteronomy entitled Courageous Generosity. And last week we saw how Deuteronomy means second law. And this book was written as a repetition or a reiteration of the law that God had given to the people of Israel. But it was to a new generation of Israel. The grown-up children of those who were delivered out of Egypt were about to enter the promised land. And it was important that they knew the law as well. Now, God was leading them into an incredibly resourced a piece of land and their ability to enjoy the land and to fulfill the purpose that God had for them was dependent on their ability to understand a few things that God tried to teach their parents in the wilderness. And so we looked at the lesson that their life was dependent not on bread or material resources, but it was actually dependent on the one who provided the bread and the resources. And they needed to remember this because what they were going to experience in the land that God was bringing them was a life that was so blessed that it could actually become a curse if they lost sight of God as their source. So this morning we're going to look at the rest of the chapter, chapter 8 in Deuteronomy. Last week we looked at uh, verse 1 through 10 and now we're going to look at verse 11 through 20. So here we go. This is out of the New Living Translation. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey His commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large, and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. But I assure you of this. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. Just as the Lord has destroyed other nations in your path, you also will be destroyed if you refuse to obey the Lord your God. You know, it's human nature, I believe, to think that once we arrive, once we get to our destination, things are going to get easy. And once we get there, it's that's when we can let our guard down, that's when we can take a nap, that's when we can coast, right? But Actually, on the contrary, in this verse, Moses is telling Israel that once they've arrived to the the place they've been uh, trying to get to for 40 years, 
once they get to the place, the land that he promised, once they, they settle in to God's abundant provision, it wouldn't be the time to take their foot off the gas and turn on cruise control. It would actually be a time to be careful, to be watchful, to be vigilant. He says in verse 11 that once you arrive, be careful. Don't let God's abundant provision pull you away from him and his covenant. So if you were with us last week, we saw how it was God's desire that his abundant provision would serve as something that actually strengthened Israel's relationship with him. It would be something that moved them towards him in gratitude and praise. And so how is it that Israel would actually be in danger of the exact opposite after they entered the land? Well, Moses goes on to say in verse 14 that God's blessing could effectively, in my own words, become a curse if they chose to become proud. So last week we spoke a bit about pride versus humility and how humility is simply seeing yourself clearly. Uh, Humility uh, lives in reality, whereas pride is not seeing yourself clearly. It's it pride lives in deception. Humility, on the other hand, is a beautiful gift from God that empowers us, that equips us to live within the boundaries of God's grace towards us. Whereas pride, it deceives us and it destroys you. It destroys us as we attempt to 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 live beyond the boundaries of God's grace for us. And so Moses says that pride could result in Israel forgetting the Lord who did all of these incredible things for him. And they would look, were in danger of looking at God's provision, the incredible abundant provision, and come to an unthinkable conclusion. Look at verse 17. This is the unthinkable conclusion that, that Israel could come to if they chose to become pr- proud, forget God. They would come to the conclusion, they'd look around at all the blessing in their life, the incredible land, the success, the protection, and they would say, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. How could Israel become that deceived to come to that conclusion, to look at all the stuff around them and say, gosh, we're, go us, you know, high five. We've, we've done so well for ourselves. So every blessing, all the blessings that God gave to Israel was to serve as a revelation, a picture of his goodness towards them. And it would be something that propelled their hearts toward him in gratitude and trust. But if they weren't careful, the very thing that was to serve as leverage in the relationship with him, that would leverage them towards him, that that very thing could actually become a wedge between them and God. Instead of living in reality that God's own goodness provides for them, they would choose to live under this deception that it was their own strength and their own effort. They would essentially be committing the same sin as Adam and Eve who turned away from God as the source and turned inwardly towards themselves to be their own source. 
Moses tells them the beautiful truth in, in verse 18, that they're always to remember so, so as to protect themselves from, from, from make, coming to this unthinkable conclusion. And he says, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Moses is saying, Israel, it wasn't you. It was God. He is the one who gave you, who gave you, who gives you the power and the ability to succeed. Now let's just just pan out a little bit. Let's just remember how God had miraculously blessed this Israel in their history. First, God was the one who had miraculously preserved Moses' life as a baby when Pharaoh was killing all the two-year-olds. God had miraculously called Moses as an adult and told him, I'm going to use you to, to, to deliver my people. God's the one who gave him the words, the script the, 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 to, to, to say when he was to go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. God is the one who released plagues on Egypt to motivate Egypt to let Israel go, simultaneously protecting the Hebrews right from the plagues. God caused not only Egypt to allow the Israelites to leave, but God caused Egypt to give the Israelites all the gold, all the silver, and all the clothing they wanted as they were leaving. And God, he then made a path in the Red Sea for them to cross. Okay, this wasn't a, God didn't lead them to a shallow place in the sea. God cut a path through the ocean. It says in Exodus that there was a wall of water on the right, a wall of water on the left. And then God drowned Pharaoh's army when they tried to pursue them through the dry ground. God was the one who provided miraculously in the desert. He provided food, water out of rocks. He sustained their clothing miraculously. And he led them into a land full of resources. It had all come from him. And what kind of deception would it take to, to, to step out of that reality of God is our provider and believe, whoa, way to go me, way to go us. So how does this passage relate to us? Well, we saw last week that like Israel, God is our provider. Our life does not depend on bread. Our life depends on the bread giver. We saw how God provides for us because he loves us, because it's in his nature. He's gracious. It's in his nature to provide for us. But in addition to that, he desires that his provision would serve as something in our lives that brings us nearer to him. But also like Israel, we, I, you, we are in danger of God's provision actually becoming a wedge, becoming something that separates us from him because of pride. Now, before I say anything else about pride, I want to make sure that we're, we're uh, using the same dictionary. There's a lot of different definitions for pride and uh Actually, we had a, 
a school, uh, our school kids' school had a jogathon today, and I experienced a lot of pride in my kids. They did a great job. They ran for an hour. It's like way to go. So that's not how I'm 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 using the word pride, and I want to clarify how I am using it. So the Hebrew word that's used in this passage is a verb that means to be proud, and it literally means to lift up. And so think think. Elevate. Pride uh, is a state of elevation. Okay. So I can remember when our kids were young, and we still have some young ones, um, you know, when it came around that time of year to, to have everyone line up to the piece of trim on the wall where we're going to measure their height, um, you'd have to keep an eye on their feet because often, you know, those little the little ones would kind of get their, they, you know, they thought it was a contest to see who could be the tallest, you know, and they would, it was a game. And so they would, their little heels, as they're stretching as hard, high as they can, their little heels would come off the ground, you know, half of an inch or so um, to try to appear taller. But that's not what we wanted, that we weren't, we weren't trying to figure out, make a record of how awesome our kids are. Look how tall they are. We wanted reality. We wanted to make a record of reality of how tall each kid was at a particular date. So the kids were el- trying to elevate themselves to appear taller. So when someone is proud, they are attempting to elevate themselves, whether it be in their own eyes or in the eyes of others. They may be, and I'm saying they, but I very well could be speaking of myself. When I struggle with pride, I may be attempting to elevate my own worth. So I may think that, oh, I deserve this thing more than you deserve it. Or um, maybe this my group is more deserving than this group. So I could be attempting to elevate my own worth. It could be uh, an attempt to elevate my own attributes. So I'm smarter than you. I'm better looking than you. I'm more popular than you. Or it could be an attempt to elevate one's abilities. I'm better at this than you are. Um, But it's all this, it comes out of this desire to be elevated. I want to be higher than you. And I want you to be lower than me. And so, in reality, you know, a a proud person is, is no different than just that little kid who's lifting their heels up and stretching to try to look a little bit taller. But here's the problem. I've mentioned this before. The problem with pride is that it's deceptive. It moves us outside of the realm of reality into a realm of fantasy. But not only is pride deceptive, but it's also destructive. Proverbs 16.8 says, Pride goes before destruction. Or you could say, Pride leads the way for destruction. When you see pride, you're not going to have to look that far behind to see destruction coming along behind. Okay? We saw in the case of the Israelites that their pride would lead to a break in their relationship with God. And And that would lead to a moral decay in their lives, which in turn would lead to them finding themselves on the wrong end of God's love and justice. 
Now, often pride is so successful at alluring us because deep down, we, we want to be our own source. So God is the creator. He existed for eternity before anything was created. God is the everlasting source. Only God is sufficient in himself. He is the everlasting source. And his creation is the beneficiary, the recipient of all that flows from him. But we want to be the source, like Adam and Eve, who who wanted to know things for themselves. They didn't want to have to depend on God for truth, for light. They wanted to have a light within themselves. They wanted to be able to come to their own understanding and, and, and definitions of what is good and what is evil. We want to be self-sufficient. We want to be independent. But when you and I attempt to elevate ourselves to the position of source, as opposed to beneficiary, things begin to break down. So this is a message about... Antioch, New England's value of corporate, sorry. (laughs) So this is a message about Antioch, New England's relational value of courageous generosity. And Jesus is our model of courageous generosity. He gave up his position. He gave up his honor. He gave up his life for you and me so that we could be reconciled to his father, so that we could be forgiven. So God desires the same spirit would exist in us. And in the same way that pride was an obstacle to Israel and got in the way of them being able to fulfill God's purpose for them, it can be an obstacle for us, Antioch Brighton. It can be an obstacle for you, for me, to fulfilling God's purpose, specifically his purpose for us to be courageously generous. Now here are a couple ways. So if we succumb to this allure of pride, to the temptation to attempt to elevate ourselves from the position of beneficiary to the position of source, there are likely two results. Um, And these things affect you whether you have plenty or you have little. Okay, the first one is worry. Worry will, will dominate our lives. Worries says it's all up to me to provide. I am the source and that maybe I did it today, but I may not be able to do it tomorrow. And so I'm filled with worry about tomorrow, not having enough. And so the degree that I worry about my needs being met is the degree, the degree that I've bought into this lie that I'm the source. And this is the very thing that Jesus tackles in Matthew 6. Matthew 6 is all about devotion. And and Jesus is attempting to clear this issue of worry um, out of the way of his disciples so that they could live lives uh, committed to the Father, committed to seeking first his kingdom. And And so Matthew 6, Jesus is saying, the Father will provide for you. He is your source. So the second one, The second result of elevating ourselves to the place of source, which is related to worry, is greed. So greed says, if it's all up to me to get what I need and want, then who knows if I'm able to secure it for myself, what I'm going to need tomorrow. And so I better get twice as much as I need today. 
so I can kind of, you know, hold on to it, my precious. And if I see you and you're in need, well, I could give to you. I have enough to give to you. But if I do, I may not be able to replenish that tomorrow because it's all up to me. And so I'm going to cling on to everything I have as tightly as I can. So that's greed. So let me ask you this. Do you believe you're the source or the beneficiary? When we rightly see ourselves as the beneficiaries, however little or however much we have, it spurs us towards gratitude. It moves us towards God. It strengthens our relationship with Him. But when we see ourselves as the sources, it can move us towards worry and greed, which actually robs us from the relationship God wants to have with us. And not only does it do this, but it hinders us from experiencing the joy of being conduits of His courageous generosity to others. So, would you be willing today to search your heart with me and with the help of the Holy Spirit and ask Him to show you if there are any areas in your life where you have elevated yourself from the position of beneficiary to the position of source? And if you need help, if you need help finding the fire, just look for the smoke. And in this case, the smoke is places of worry in your life or places where you're aware of of greed. So if God's already brought something to mind, I want you to just talk to him about it. That's just just tell him, pray, acknowledge it to him. Um, This is what confession is. It's just acknowledging reality to the Lord. And I I want to encourage you, don't just acknowledge it, but turn away from it. Say, Lord, I don't want this. I don't want to walk in this direction. I don't want to believe this anymore. Would you forgive me? And you can turn to thankfulness. God, thank you that you are my source, that I don't have to worry. I don't have to, to struggle with greed. And so some of you, you may take you little time to identify some of these areas and some of you it may take a while but regardless I also want to encourage you to share it with someone else share it with someone in your life group what God is speaking to you Um, share with a friend share with a spouse a roommate whatever Um, it's going to when we share it's going to solidify uh, that work that God's doing in you okay all right bless you Antioch Mm -hmm.